0: Spirit Radio podcasts.
1: How did you get to work or school or college today? Was it walking, cycling, driving, public transport? Well, the option of how you travel to work might depend on your attitude, number one, but also might depend on the accessibility of public transport to you. But other things. How often do you jump in the car to go to the local shop, even though it actually might be easier to walk or cycle? And we dismiss the health benefits of this exercise that it can have, Uh, but. I, like many people, over the last number of weeks as the kids have come back to school, you know what you'll see again is gridlock in cities and towns as there's lots more cars on the road. But what can we do about this? Should we have a better attitude when it comes to sustainable transport And most of our towns across the country, um, Are any of them actually doing it right and is it working anywhere? Well, writing about that this week was Paul Meaglia, environmental editor for the Irish Independent, and he joins me on the line now. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Morning. Morning.
0: Very well, thanks. So
1: it was a lot of this stuff, you got some kind of interesting statistics from the census data just in relation to sustainable transport. What did it show?
0: Yeah, what we did was we asked the Central Statistics Office to look at 2016 and the 2006 census. And we basically, they, they broke it down to us to what they call settlements, which is areas of 50 houses or more. So, in other words, it's fairly small towns or villages right up to kind of the cities. And we're doing a number of themes of this. We've done some of them across the week in a series we're calling The Way We Live. And one of the ones we looked at was transport. And what it basically shows is that fewer combined trips are made by walking, cycling, or public transport in census 2016, which was April 2016, compared with a decade previously. So, in other words, in 2006, about 32% of all trips for work and education were made by, by bus, by rail, by uh, by uh, cycling uh, or by walking, and this dropped to 30% in 2016. Now, there is kind of some games, obviously, the population has increased so that, that there is more trips being made on sustainable transport modes than before, but in terms of the proportion of trips being made, it has dropped. So that's, that's kind of a worrying enough finding. Now, I think there's a fairly clear reason as to why it is, uh, it really is. I think two figures really sum it up. Between 2006 and 2016, the state invested almost 13 billion euro in road improvements and maintenance. In the same period, it spent just over 5.1 billion on public and sustainable transport. So, in other words, you can see the spend is more than doubled for roads. So as a result, there hasn't been that focus on getting people onto public transport.
1: And do you think in terms of the actual focus and investment, I mean, obviously there's, there's a lot of discussions on public transport developments that's focused a lot of the time in Dublin, like the Lewis Line extension, um, and uh, there's been a lot of discussion on bus routes in Dublin, but uh, the access to public transport really depends on where you live. You you have a, a story today looking at a young guy who says he's to walk 40 minutes just to get a bus. That's
0: right, that's a, a girl actually, yeah, who lives in Stamullen in County Meath, one of the youngest towns. In Ireland. Uh, that is absolutely correct. And what the census data really shows us is, is that if you build it, they will come. So, for example, more than half of all trips in Donabate and Dublin are made by public transport, walking or cycling. Uh, then that's followed by Dublin City. But basically, the top five are all in Dublin or in around the greater Dublin area. The lowest, uh, I mean, not all are completely disconnected. I mean, Enniskerry and County Wicklow is one of the lowest areas across the GTA in terms of sustainable transport. Um, and then Wicklow Town as well is another one Wicklow's on a train line and there's a relatively decent I think bus service to some places around there so I mean that's a little bit surprising. Uh, when you look outside of the GTA I mean uh, almost 39% of all trips in Edgeworthstown, County Longford are by sustainable transport I don't think that's on a train line, I, I stand corrected on that. Dingle and Kerry is 38% I mean Dingle is very isolated, there's no train line, it also has the highest walking rates in the country so I suppose what does it tell us? I guess it tells us two things. The first thing is, if you have decent public transport in place, people tend to use that. I think internationally that's shown as well, because we can see, uh, for example, in the Tube in London, you have very wealthy people as well as as, as those on lower incomes. So build it, and they will come. The second thing it seems to say, though, as well, is that if you have relatively compact towns, so in other words, Dingle is a fairly compact town. I mean, it doesn't sprawl too much. It's still a sizable enough kind of an area. It seems to be if you make it easy for people and you plan it as such that people can walk around and cycle around, and then they will do so. So I think there's a couple of lessons really for lots of places across the country. I mean, there's no reason why the kind of success of places like Edgwickstown and Dingle and indeed Kinnegad and Clonus and Galway City can't re- replicate it in other parts of the country. But that needs real political will. It needs investment. And then I think as well it needs something along. You know, if the, if the systems are there, it needs carrots and sticks to get people out of their cars and onto those. Well, that's what I was going right. to say is
1: is part of this is political will. But as the other part, and it's interesting just to look at some of this kind of case studies that you're mentioning, is another part are a kind of individual attitude changes. I'm thinking of myself now and thinking of a small baby that I have that will only sleep when he's walked. So I get out with that buggy, rain, hail or shine. And it means I have my windproof umbrella, the rain cover for the buggy. You know, I have the gear. Yet some people, you know, if the weather's in any way bad, they have to to get in the car do we need to look at changing our attitudes to just getting out using our legs and using public transport
0: I I think we definitely do I mean look I recall my own father-in-law talking to me about um, he lived in a place called Four in County Westmeath cycling to Castle Pollard which was a fair distance and cycling to Mullingar on his bicycle to go to dances and that now you know that was because there was no alternative and, and he made it I mean as a kid myself I recall sitting in wet trousers for the day in school because I got soaked on the way to school but you know that was just it so my parents were these people that refused to give us a lift Unless really, I mean, there was a, there was a typhoon out there that we were, we were by on our own. So I think there's an attitude on that. I mean, I think there's also a thing of um, people need to kind of make this link between their use of the car and congestion. And, I mean, obviously climate change and air quality as well. But I think people don't seem to have this connection that if they drive their children to school, for example... Uh, that's why it takes them longer to get back because there's so many people doing it. I mean, we certainly see over the summer when the schools are out that traffic moves much better because there is less of it on the ground. But then we hit September, October, and it's right back to where it was. Now, there's an interesting thing. I think the Nigel talked about this yesterday at their thinking in Galway. There was some criticism of Bus Éireann, and they were saying, you know, the school transport system should be taken away from Bus erin because people aren't getting on the bus. The fact of the matter is that's funded by the Department of Education, but they're not only operators; they're kind of an agent for the department. So really, the criticism there should be to the Department of Education. I think it's an interesting point. I think the school transport service costs about 150 million a year to run. It, it operates very well for those who can avail of it. But if you were to double the budget, or you would triple the budget, you'd say it's a ferocious amount of money. But you get every child in the school, you know, every child in the country to school on the bus or else walking or cycling. And I think there's other economic benefits for that. I mean, they talk about the cost of congestion. I mean, that is a huge cost to the economy, and that's getting more expensive, so you eliminate that. You talk about air quality and premature death, so you eliminate those. You obviously make a big effort in terms of climate change. And remember, you know, we're going to be hit with fines from the EU if we don't really ramp up ambition in this regard. So there's win-wins across the board. But for that, we need to change our attitudes and just say, look, walking to a bus stop is not the end of the world. Getting a bit damp isn't the end of the world. You can buy a hat, you can buy wet gear. There's ways around this, but we just need that shift, I think, in in temperament and in change.
1: We've we've talked a little bit, Paul, about walking and, obviously, public transport, but what about cycling? And, of course, there have been efforts made, (coughs) things like the bike-to-work scheme. Now, there's some great, great cycle paths, but in some parts of the country, obviously, there's lots of areas that this could improve on. Is there evidence to say that when these things are improved, i.e. good, uh, accessible cycle paths, that people are using them as much as they could be?
0: Well, I mean, the success for cycling seems to have really been, um, you know, in, in Dublin, uh, 7% of all trips in the city are made by bike, and in Galway they're just over 5%, but there's no other city where cycling rates are above 5%, and there's a number of reasons for that. There's an infrastructure issue uh, where it is provided, people will use it, and I mean, I think that's evidenced by the figures in Dublin that there is some very good cycle paths, I mean, particularly along the canal there, is very good. Uh, there's the Sutton, the Sandy Cove one as well. But again, there is huge parts of the city that people are very nervous about cycling in. And, and that is a concern, too. People are, f- are nervous about cycling because they think it's quite dangerous. I mean, I think <clears throat> Prime Time did a piece last night on RT where they talked about 15 people being killed last yeah. year. And, you know, that's obviously a risk. But I kind of would make the point as well. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, we were routinely killing between four and 600 people a year on the roads, many of whom were cyclists. And there was far less traffic far fewer cars and vehicles on the road. There's more vehicles today and less people are killed. So I don't know if that's a perception thing. Obviously, you know, there is a need for more infrastructure, particularly segregated cycle lanes. But I think there's a perception issue there that needs to be overcome as well, that people just feel that it's dangerous rather than perhaps it actually being dangerous.
1: Well very interesting stuff indeed and as you say Paul there needs to be political will but also individual attitude changes as well. Thanks for joining us on the program this morning that was Paul Melia environmental editor for the Irish Independent.
0: Thanks for listening to our Spirit Radio podcast. Don't miss out subscribe
1: today. Find out how at spiritradio.ie.